I'm so excited to finally get to talk to you. Um, you know, in my life, you've always, I don't know, I've just, I've, I've been in, I just adored you since you came in on the scene. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you and so I'm, much. I feel like we're related because- um, I'm sure we are. <laughs> my um, grandmother on my mom's side, um, her name is Pauline Yoder Kissler. Oh, um, so okay. she was definitely a Yoder and her family was from Berks County. Oh, and, sure. um, and then they moved to Kempton and like Stony Run, if you know where those places are. Yes, actually my name is my husband's name and he's from Virginville. I'm sure you know where that is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they won't let me in, but yes. I, me neither, let me tell you. <laughs> yes, I know well, listen, it well. Thank you so much, I'm so excited. Like I said, I have been around since Queer Eye for a Straight Guy started. And I, I guess I was about 21 and I was, it was giving me life. I lived in Baltimore. It was a very, not a great situation for me. Um, and it was just a really great show. So I've been a fan for a long time and really love the work that you do. I love how down to earth you are and how, oh, the humor and the wit. I just, I could go on and on and on. But Thank listen, Parsons, I just realized you were Pennsylvania Dutch. I just never made the connection. Probably around when you were at the Folk Fest and you very right. briefly passed through our booth and I thought to myself like it's the heat maybe or was that Carson correctly <laughs> right I remember, yes I remember your eyes they were very blue and very striking and, and then I saw in your stories that you were in fact there and then it all kind of came together for me because I told my friend Candace I was like I think I just saw Can uh, Carson Cressley and she said yeah his family's from the area and I had no idea because I didn't grow up around here I had right. no idea that you were Pennsylvania Dutch so that just added another layer of my adoration for you and it, you're so inspiring and just um my generation for sure it helped us all feel um more confident in who we were and being ourselves and this book by the way i got from oh son. amazing i love this book so much so this is kind of the message that i've always felt from you um and it's called you're different and not super and i just love it so i just wanted to spend a little time gushing and fanning out on you okay I appreciate it. I'm <laughs> blushing. You're too kind. And um, I've enjoyed your work as well. And I thought we were Thank kindred you. spirits. So I'm just, you know, we're just going to do it. 100%. 100%. I feel that way too. And I was very, very um, honored that you followed me because my work's like a little different, you know, and it's more of a contemporary context. And I, you know, I grew up in the punk scene and um, right. you know, it's just a little different. I didn't grow up in Berks County. So it's a little different for me to come here, even though my family's all from here. Um, so the whole idea of the book is researching Pennsylvania Dutch design and kind of how it had this moment where it was really, really popular between the 40s and the 90s and right. like extremely popular and sort of, you know, maybe appropriated, maybe misunderstood in some ways. But I, I thought of you right away because I thought with your background in, 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 um, in design and art and also right. interior design, you know, I just wanted kind of your, your thoughts on that because the book is a historic narrative. So I'm walking people through this research that I already did as a thesis, but now the publisher wants it to be historic narrative. So I have to add in, um, you know, people's ideas and interviews and also kind of like the, the journey that I went on finding out about all this stuff. So I'm interested right. in a couple ways in your um, feedback on that. I'm sure you're familiar with what I'm talking about. If you're not, I have images. <laughs> like, yeah, no, um, no. I, 
I'm a big fan. I'm very um, proud to be Pennsylvania Dutch or truly German, which is yeah. always, you know, the clumsy conversation you have to say to people like, <laughs> it's Pennsylvania Dutch, because they know that. And then you say it's German and they're like, I don't understand. And you say Dutch is Deutsch and it's a yeah. long thing. And I've, I've done shows even where I brought people to the farm and I'm trying to, I'm just like, let's just call it Pennsylvania Dutch, but they're really from Germany. Um, <laughs> And even when I was, um, I took some, uh, before I went to college, I took classes at Kutztown and I, oh. I think I had either a history, uh, they had a class called uh, Pennsylvania German History and I don't know if they still yeah. do. Yes, but, they do. Uh, I did a whole, um, not a thesis, but a paper on the vernacular architecture of the Pennsylvania Germans. And oh. I, you know, drove all over and saw, you know, the Hottenstein house on 222. Mm -hmm and famous barns and hex signs. And, you know, I, you know, my family has one and we had Eric Claypool come and paint them. So yes. I'm very familiar um, about the historical importance, the cultural importance. Um, there's a room from the Hottenstein house in Kutztown at Winterthur. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's stuff in the Smithsonian. So, yeah, and it's fascinating to me how there were like, you know, there used to be gift shops called the Distelfink and yes. people like um, uh, at the um, uh, Lenhartsville at the Deitch Eck, you know, the guy yes. Johnny Ott who painted all yes. of those ceilings. So I'm thrilled that somebody's interested, that wants to preserve it. Um, it's something that I grew up with and I feel very um, connected to and it's very special. I mean, I think that in and of itself is really interesting to me, Carson, because um, my mom also grew up in the community and the culture, but she kind of left and felt kind of an aversion to it. But I think her family was a little bit harsher. You know how you get the whole gamut of Pennsylvania Dutch people. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But what interests me about your story is that you've gone away and you've experienced so much and you're so worldly and you've met all kinds of people from all walks of life, but you still are very proud of that and still have a connection to that. So I, I'm sure that has to do with how you were brought up and the family that you were brought up in and also the area. She grew up in Boyertown, so it's a little different, but can you just mm -hmm. kind of talk about like the things that you feel most connected to within the culture, within Pennsylvania Dutch, within the upbringing, I guess, I know sure. I just read this wonderful interview you just did in April, um, the Columbus Underground. I was reading this and I was like, ah, oh. I was so excited. It's such a great interview. Thank you. Um, yeah, my connection, I mean, I've known nothing other than being Pennsylvania Dutch because uh, I was from a farm family in Lehigh County, uh, but in Western Lehigh County, very close to Berks as well. And um, both my mom's side and my dad's side are all hardcore Pennsylvania Dutch. So yeah. like I said, my mom's grandmother's name was Pauline Yoder Kistler. Like it doesn't get any more Pennsylvania German than that. No. Um, and my dad's side, um, you know, came over in the 1750s to Philadelphia on a ship called the Neptune, I believe. And um, uh, they somehow got land in this part of Lehigh County. And literally there's like streets named like Cressley Road and you know, their original homestead from like the 1750s. And then when they got some money and they built a bigger house, it's all right there. So it's very, that's all I am. I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not an exotic mix of like, you know, my mom was from Ireland and my parents were, you know, my dad was Pennsylvania German. We're all Pennsylvania Dutch people. Wow. That's and the so number one thing, 
I mean, you just grow up with it. Like your barn has yeah. signs and your grandma plants lots of flowers. And there's a lot of like Amish things that yeah. we see now, but you know, my people have been doing that for forever. Um, and the singular most memorable, most connecting thing is the food. And yeah. I was even thinking about like doing like a food network show about like, um, uh, heirloom recipes because that is the one thing uh every holiday you know you make mm -hmm. pennsylvania dutch filling and you make you know ham and uh all the different pies and we make waffles for you know lunchtime and all these very german things that you want to preserve but that's the thing that's really been lasting and that i mm -hmm. hope to keep going and it's unbelievably delicious and you know nothing <laughs> um, says home more than that. And during the pandemic, uh, because I was finally not traveling the world and I was right. at home and I, I have a farm myself. It was my family's farm. My parents bought it from my grandparents. They gave it to me and my sister. So we literally, you know, have a, I guess it's like a four or five generation farm that I oh, now wow. own with my sister. Um, so I had time to be there and I was like, I should really learn how to make like Pennsylvania Dutch food. I was cooking for my family. Um, so yeah, it's very important to me. I'm very passionate about it. And I'm also very concerned about um, losing it because yeah. like so many, maybe like your parents and mm. even my parents to a degree, um, there's a little bit of that like immigrant shame or something where they're like, oh, yeah. no, teach your kids English. And yeah. uh, Let's Americanize things. And um, fortunately, I had old-fashioned parents who wouldn't buy like stovetop stuffing and like Pop-Tarts. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the food survived. Um, but some of the other like decorative arts and design and the lifestyle have, you know, gone by the wayside as, you know, things became more modern, especially like in the 70s and 80s when it was all yeah. about like abandoning, um, yeah. you know, more ethnic kind of um, traditions. Yeah, I think it's really interesting you brought that up because my parents were, so I'm, I was born in 81, so they were kind of in that era. And, um, you know, it was like the melting pot idea where you just come together and you're all kind of American, you know? And this right. idea of, you know, but I think when I went to Temple, I went to Tyler as one of my um, places that I went, but one of my professors explained it to us, it, it should be more of a salad bowl where everybody comes together and it's better because we're all bringing different wonderful flavors, you know, which I always, right. always think of that when I talk about cultural um, preservation and also enjoying other people's culture without appropriating it, things like that that are super important. But I love that right. you mentioned that the food ways are so important. And I'm in a pickle, Carson, because we went vegan like three years ago. And it's like, when we go to the Folk Fest, forget about it. Like, what are we going to eat? Like, it's so funny. But I found ways around it to kind of you know, there's really good meat substitutes out there, but I really enjoyed all of the food stuff that you were posting. It was really neat to see that. And it's so funny you mentioned about your home because I had done some research recently to kind of get, I didn't want to ask you too many questions that were just, you know, recy recycled over and over again. But right, I figured right. with the Pennsylvania Dutch angle, I probably have a leg up yeah. a little bit more than other people. <laughs> yeah, this like, is a fresh interview. I've never done one of these, so it's refreshing no for way. me too. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I'm so excited. So listen, I got to the one about the haunted house and I was like, this can't be the place he lives now. So it's not the place you live now, right? It is actually. So uh, our yeah. farm, um, 
that is, you know, been in our family since the 20s is like yes. basically next door to mine. And okay, then gotcha. when I was a kid and I was, you know, like six years old, people were building this house on the neighboring hillside. And I was like, oh my God, I want to have a house like that one day. It's like oh. two stories and it looks really fancy. Yes. And, uh, and it wasn't that fancy, but to me, it was, you know, like a mansion. So yes. um, it was a home builder who moved to the area from like Philly and was, you know, developing developments and built his own personal house there. So I have that house and it was built in 1973 um, by, the, you know, this custom home builder and it was his pride and joy. And I truly do think that when I was renovating it, he was like, bitch, what are you doing to my house? <laughs> um, and there were friendly haunted moments. And now I'm just like, hi, Andrew. I'm, you know, doesn't it look good? Um, so I think he's like cool with me, but that's the haunted house. But in the show, obviously they <laughs> don't show where you live. They didn't show where you lived and they didn't send right, like, a right. drone to my house. So they <laughs> did like some, you know, like wooden, like clapboard house. And it looks like it's in like a salt marsh in Maryland. I'm like, I was wondering. okay, it's very like, <laughs> swampy east hamptony um <laughs> annapolis looking and i was like sure fine we'll go with it but um oh my goodness. it's not that i do live in the haunted house when now i'm actually in la so oh good good because you know what? i got about 45 to a minute in and i was like nope i can't i i have a very healthy respect for spirits and definitely believe but i was just like hmm i don't think i can <laughs> <laughs> right. I like, yes. I, I just I love the beginning because I actually could visually imagine you as a little boy, and it just it gave me all the feels and made me feel all warm. That was so so sweet to hear your story, and it kind of reminded me of John Waters' story about his home. I'm a huge John Waters fan, and uh -huh. actually, moved to, I moved to Baltimore for him. I love him, but he was stalking the house that he ended up buying for a really long time, and right. um, you know, speaking about you know John Waters and kind of your your role in in the contemporary culture i just want to say that um you know when i look back kind of you know i just turned 40 i kind of look back on the last 20 years or so and just look at how much progress we've made of course there's a lot to do still but what right. a different world right and like when you guys started it was just very different than um the new crew when they started um and just seeing you know, people like yourself and RuPaul and, and, and John Waters even fighting censorship, how much hard work you guys have put in. And we just really are very grateful, you know, my generation and the, and the generations, um, whatever they're calling, they're calling us like old lady millennials, my oh. generation. No, that's, Geriatric I think, millennial. grand that's millennial, I, grand millennial is like a design vibe, like millennials who like old fashioned oh. things. So it's okay. Okay, so it's all good. That's fine. I love it. I love getting older. I'm really enjoying it. How are you feeling? This year's um, been so I, weird. <laughs> I like some of it, you know, like I like not giving an F about things. Yeah. And I like um, being more like stable, both financially, but also like just as a person, like yeah. you're just much more grounded. Um, yeah. What I don't like is that, you know, I truly now like after 50 and I just turned 50 last year, you start to be like, I'm literally like an old person. I'm like, what is this music? Oh, who's that? And they're like, that's Ariana Grande. I was like, oh, is she new? Like, I don't know anything that's going on. And like, I'll see, I'll see design pictures and I'm just like, that looks crazy. Or like clothing, I'll be like, that is insane. So 
I've turned into like an old lady. Like I just, you know, I, I've missed like the last 10 years. I was like, what's been happening in design and pop culture? Like, why do I suddenly now feel like old and out of the loop? I know, I hear you. Well, what do we do, you know? But they look to us then because everything's recycled. Don't you yeah, think? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you guys, so back to your family and growing up totally Pennsylvania Dutch and how we were talking about making sure we preserve these things like the food waste. So does your family speak Pennsylvania Dutch? Did you grow up hearing it at all? Yes, yes. Um, both my mom and dad um, uh, grew up in Lehigh County and went to one-room schools, if you can believe. Oh, I mean, such I a difference from one generation to now. Yep. And um, they actually spoke Pennsylvania Dutch in the school classroom. Oh. And I think they, they, you know, learned English as well simultaneously at home and in school. Um, yeah. But they, they learned in, in Pennsylvania German. And we heard it always around home, especially if your parents didn't want you to know what they were saying. Yeah. Uh, if it was like about Christmas or birthdays or fighting or whatever. Um, so I have a little bit of knowledge. I can, you know... Um, say, you know, Vibisht and Busbishtam Shafa and, you know, all the usual things. And I do love, like, busting that out when I go to, like, an Amish, like, roadside stand or, like, a flower shop. They're like, okay, um, fancy English person in your, like, SUV, why didn't you speak Pennsylvania Dutch? Um, so I that's always... figure it out. <laughs> it's fun to surprise them. So, yeah. And I speak German, um because I wanted to um, learn that in school. So I have a good um, background of it. Oh, that's awesome. That's so a cool. good foundation. That's very neat. So I I'm know, sorry, I was um, moving because they're weed oh, whacking no. like right by my window. No problem. This is very low key, trust me. It's like the punk rock podcast, no worries at all. Um, I loved what you were talking about with this interviewee um, about art and how you feel about art. Um, you know, how do you feel about Pennsylvania Dutch folk art? Like what, what are some things, I know you talked in the um, interview about the things that you collect and, and your eclectic style and not necessarily feeling like something needs to be from Art Basel or anything like that, which is very right. cool. And, and I've seen you post and seen friends post pictures with you at Renninger's, which is yes. the, that's a local place that we enjoy. And um, of course you've been at the Folk Fest and I think you have an, do you have an Eric Claypool on your barn, I think? It's yeah, yeah, I are. did. Um, I did. We didn't. We resurfaced our barn like so many people do, and yeah. then of course, like all of the you know the trim work and the hex signs were covered up. So I did have Eric Claypool do new ones, That's and awesome. um, I was like, "How do we live without these?" Our barn was like nude and sad, <laughs> and they make such a difference. And now I yeah. literally just texted them saying, "I need more. I need a larger awesome. one for like." a new structure. Um, so yeah, I, I, I believe that all, you know, interior design or exterior design, like it should really tell your story. I feel like your home should be autobiographical. Yeah. So I layer in all the things that are me. So I have, you know, Pennsylvania Dutch pottery and Brininger pottery and hex signs and whatever and family, you know, heirlooms. That's really important to me. Yes. And, and, and for the exterior, like having hex signs and Pennsylvania Dutch folk art, it's so unique and so rare mm -hmm. uh, that we've got to preserve it. 
And like you were saying, it was also so popular and so mainstream. I'm yeah. always gobsmacked when I go somewhere. Like I was in Alaska and somebody had like a hex sign like on their garage. Wow. And then I was recently in Texas um, filming um, a show for Food Network and they had an old fashioned saloon. And in there was an old hex sign from like the 50s or something in wow. Austin, Texas. So it's always neat when you see them um, and people don't really understand probably what they are or where they came from, but it's yeah. neat to see um, how our culture, you know, has been um, shared throughout the planet. Yeah, for sure. It's really interesting. And it's something that I think, you know, because it's kind of, um, well, I know you probably remember there's magic eyes. They'd have these posters where you'd have to kind of look at it funny to actually see the image. It's kind of uh -huh. like that with hex signs. I feel like it's almost, um, because of the geometry of it and, and the symmetry, it's just like captivating and almost hypnotic, you know? Right. Uh, we love we love Eric Claypool, so that's really nice to hear. And um, of course, Steve at the Dijack, I interviewed him and he just really enjoys when you, I think you and your mom stop in a lot. And yeah, he's yeah. Guy. He's such a great and guy. He's and doing Johnny, such a uh, great job preserving the culture of the food, um, which it, again is so rare. And I'll. I'll collect like old ephemera from like Lehigh Valley and I'll be like, Walt's restaurant in Allentown, number 57511, authentic Pennsylvania Dutch cooking. Like it was a thing, like every restaurant yes. had Pennsylvania Dutch cooking and now there's like one place. I know, it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's strange yeah. how it's changing, but I think it's wrapping back around, honestly. I've been immersed in it now for, well, we've lived here seven years um, and I think there's a real drive to not only preserve, but also before it's gone and we're trying to like scramble to get it back to kind of make this effort now to um, definitely share and also um, make preservation efforts and pass it along to other people like Eric, I know has, um, what are they called? People that help you. <laughs> oh, like an apprentice? Apprentices, yeah. He's really big with that. He's really also involved in educating people and going into schools and stuff. I've done right. some of that work too, which is nice. And of course, at the Folk Fest, there's a lot of opportunities for education, which is really, yeah. really cool. The language is the tricky one, though, Carson, because a lot of people missed it because, like you mentioned, about um, anti German hysteria was very intense. And right. also, you know, like you mentioned, my grandmother as well um, started in a one room schoolhouse, but then when she went to public school, they forbode it. It was not allowed. Right. So you were going to get. I know my friend, his, his grandfather was punched in the face by a teacher. Can you even wow. imagine? It's bananas, but I mean, I think there's wonderful people. Doug Mainford's a friend of mine. He's working really hard on preserving the language. And then maybe you've heard of Patrick Dunmore over at the Heritage Center. So of there course, are yeah. Doing, yeah, there are people doing a lot of great work, but I know Eric, Eric is just a really stand-up guy. He's a great guy. So that's neat. That's neat that he's participating and helping you guys um, read reinterpret the hex signs or like re um paint them but you know do you, i want your thoughts on this because you're an open person and i also saw your um interview with tyler the medium i love him oh yes yes that was so cool i love him i just i was trying to get i'm like i've seen you around so much all of these years but i was trying to kind of get at a couple things just to um you know remember you know why i love you so much and his interview or not interview his reading with you was very cool and um i know you're open to things like that so i'm wondering do you think hex signs are magical or do you think they're just for nice what is your take on it 
Oh, I'm I I'm not sure. I mean, I'm really interested. Um, and I need to do more research, and you could probably enlighten me. But like the Pennsylvania <laughs> Germans are very. It's such a strange dichotomy because they're very plain, you know, yeah. like they're not fancy people. The food is very like pared down. It's very simple. Uh, the churches, I would always complain about being Lutheran. I'm like, we are so boring. Like our church is mint green on the inside. We don't have any incense or fun costumes. Um, so when you see like the whimsicality and the colorfulness of like the folk art, you're just like, wait, are these the same people? I know. Uh, like yes. I'm fascinated because you'd think they would be very Lutheran and very pious, but I then know. they're painting like witch doors on their barn yes. for the witch to fly through. Yes. Um, like naked mermaids, let me tell you. Yeah, so I'm just like, <laughs> I, 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 it'd be interesting to figure out like, you know, what the disconnect is and like how it could be so fanciful, but yet um, they're very, you know, uh, conservative, old fashioned, yes. uh, I think quiet, but you know, that's just, but then I also see like old videos of everybody, you know, like at the Grange Hall with like, you know, uh, homemade banjos and blowing on a jug, you know, like the, the countryside jamboree at Disney World. So I guess there was more to it than I am thinking. Yeah. It's interesting though, because it's like, I think it comes back to superstition, honestly. And I think it was religiously driven um, right. Idea, you know, like in Europe, how they use gargoyles, this idea of fending off like evil with like the imagery. I kind of right. think it has something to do that because especially with the mermaids, which is one of my most perplexing and interested motifs in the folk art. Um, you know, when you go back to Germany, like Lorelei and all of these stories, it was a way to scare the children or even um, the Brothers Grimm, you know, scare right. the kids scare them from going near the water and stuff like that but it's interesting to see it show up on birth certificates and bath, uh, uh, birth and marriage certificates I mean right. it's just so interesting to me so it's it's an interesting question and one that we all think about a lot but back to um Steve over at the Dijak he recently had a friend of ours Ivan Hoyt also a wonderful folk artist he repainted one of Ott's amazing pieces that I think had been damaged and and thank Thank goodness for Steve to put that effort right. in and also the money to preserve that art because Johnny Ott was incredible. But of course he's painting on this wall and of course it's not going to be permanent, but it's really interesting. Um, and we just really appreciate Steve's efforts. I told him he has to get some vegan um, menu items for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lonely I mean, it's place becoming, over here. <laughs> it's becoming so popular. Um, it is. He needs to, it is. Yeah. And it would be, you know, you can do like a, a tofu chicken pot pie or something. Totally. There's some, I, hey, I make a shoe fly pie with tofu instead of egg. It is the bomb. I couldn't even believe it. Really? It, it's so good. It's, it's amazing the things that you can do with food and still capture that essence, you know? Right, it's really right. It's really the egg. It's still full of molasses that is like as thick as gasoline. Right. And tons of carbs and like a crunchy crust and <laughs> oh, the best. those crumbs. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What is your favorite dish, Carson? What's your favorite Pennsylvania Dutch dish? Um, I mean, we're big fans of potato filling. Like, we're like potato mm. people, and we, yes. you know, live on what used to be a potato farm. So, oh, okay. I, I think that is like one of the yummiest things you can have. You know, like hot mashed potatoes with celery and onion and parsley yes. and um and butter, and it's just so good. Um. And then our like, you know, special family treat, like, you know, you, you didn't get very often was chicken pot pie, um, which is, you know, 
when you say pot pie to people, they're like, oh, like a pie with like, you know, meat and, sh- and like veggies in it. And like, no, no, no. It's like pasta and like mm-hmm. dumplings and like so savory and so yummy. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two are like um, sentimental favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are amazing for sure. Oh, so did you grow up with horses? I'm really interested in this. My aunt is actually, um, she she owns a, a horse farm in... Oh my gosh, Rebazonia, sorry, right on oh, the nice. Blue Marsh Lake. Yeah, she's been doing horses. Um, she's been riding for so long. I don't even know, like, since she was 20, so probably the last 30 years. And I think she's done some dressage. Um, uh-huh. And I know I've seen you at um, the Devon Horse Show, which was really neat because she did it so often. Yeah. So that, would you say that that, aside from entertainment and design and 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 all those things that you're involved in publicly, would you say that that's pretty much something that you're very passionate about? Yeah, I would say that's my main passion. And, you know, yeah. people are like, God, you work so much. I'm like, yes, because I have horses. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, you know, you have to like constantly spend money on them. But yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. My grandparents, and again, I'm a very sentimental person and I'm very like right. reverent of my history. Um, and my grandparents, um, my grandmother, her name um, was Pauline um, uh, Annie Emma Grimm Bailey. Um, she was from uh, also Lehigh County, and um, she grew up on a working farm, and they had big, giant workhorses. And this was probably like in the 20s and the 30s. And, you know, she wanted a pony like so many little girls did. And they're like, no, we have like a big, giant draft horse to plow the field. We don't have pets. And so uh, she married my grandfather and they had a pretty successful business um, building roads and trucking and then a car dealership. And she got some money and she was like, I'm going to get a pony. And for my dad, who like didn't want a pony. And um, she had one and then she had two, then she had four, then she had like eight and then she had like 12. And by the 50s and 60s, they had a couple hundred, like maybe 200. And they had auctions with a tent and an auctioneer. Like I have a picture in New York on my like nightstand of like, it looks like something out of Mayberry USA. There's like an auctioneer with a bolo tie and a stick standing next to my grandmother who looks like Gilda Radner. Like her perm is like terrible. And, um, and my grandfather and they're like selling ponies to people all over the country. And it was just, I missed that era of like, actual auctions but i did get to grow up in the 70s with them uh going to horse shows and we always had ponies so it was like we flipped the script again and i was like ponies who wants a pony um i want a gigantic horse um so me and my sister um, and my generation and my niece uh we all have saddlebred horses and it's something we've done for forever and um we raised them on our farm. Uh, we had a horse that we raised right here in Lehigh County, not right here because I'm in LA, but in Lehigh County that was um, that my sister competed with that was third in the world at the world championships. So we were just like, yay us. We were so proud um, because it's, it's great to like have one at that level, but to have raised one at that level that right. grew up on our farm as a baby. Um, yeah. Um, is pretty great. And he'll probably, my sister's like in love with him. So he'll probably come back and like be retired there and we'll live to like 40 and we'll be like, oh my God, he's still alive. We still have to feed him. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. That's so cool. 
Wow. Yes. Yeah, my kids um, just got into horses. (laughs) Oh, did they? Good luck. Yeah, I know. Honestly, my daughter's like, when can I get my pony? Yeah, no, it's there, but it's, it's, um, it's so great for kids because it's just, it's very grounding and, uh, um, it's kept me sane for like 50 years. Like they're really, they're expensive, but they're worth it. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry. What were you going to say though? I have to, um, I have to, I have to see what time it is. Oh, no, that's fine. I feel like we've gotten a lot of good stuff. Honestly, Carson, you can totally. We can, we can do another one because you're an absolute delight. You have to oh, come. Oh, so to are you. Sometime. Oh, I would um, love to. And listen, anytime you want art, you let me know what you would like. Cause I would love to give you something. I will. I will. And will you be, um, there's a folk festival this year, right? No, they canceled it. Like, cause they had no. a cancel so long ahead. Yeah, it's canceled. Yeah, so that was, I'll, maybe I I'll see you next year. The planning. Yeah, I would love the to. Planning, but yeah. Let's stay in touch. And uh, I'm sure. back. Um, I'm coming home for like a minute or two this later this week, and then I'm back again in August um, for the rest of the year. So oh, I'll cool. have you over for lunch or something. We'll make. I vegan- would love that. Oh, you're such a dear. I would love that. Absolutely. And listen, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. It was such a pleasure. And we can do another anytime. I just have to go to this next um, appointment. No worries. No worries. Thank you for taking the time, Carson. Of course. Mox good. Bye, Mox good. Take care. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Bye. Bye.